One X guest played 129 AFL games and kicked 101 goals. 97 of those games in the red and white as a utility swingman. Uh, a Sydney hardman once called him the toughest player that he had played alongside. Unfortunately, bad knees uh, did shorten the playing career. It's a big hello and welcome to Jason Mooney. G'day, mate. Thanks for having me. Now, uh, I'm going to see if you can guess who said that uh, you were the toughest player that he uh, played alongside. Uh, Johnny Stevens? No, Darren Creswell. <laughs> oh, Schnitzel. Yeah, Cres. I uh, played a lot of footy with Cres. Um, he came up from Tassie. He was he epitomised toughness. That boy. He was amazing. What he got him. What he put his body through, and and what he got out of it out of himself. He was. Uh, he's a credit to himself, actually. Absolutely. And I guess uh, 2001, that was your last sort of uh, season playing with the Cats. It's basically been uh, two decades since any fans or anyone have seen you on a footy field. I guess life after footy, what have uh, you been doing? Well, I finished uh, at Geelong, as you said, in 2001 and spent another year uh, down in the peninsula. It was beautiful down there, but just a bit too cold for me. And in 2003, I moved to the Gold Coast. And I've been here ever since. Um, been married a couple of times, and I've got a, a fourteen-year-old boy who I share custody with his mother. Um, yes, and I've been working in the alcohol industry, actually, sales rep for CUB and sort of Asahi for the last eighteen or so years. And I love it up here, mate. The weather alone will uh, will keep me here. It's a balmy twenty-four or five degrees today, I think. So it's great. Oh, that's just warming me just hearing that. I guess um, transitioning from um, playing footy to uh, what you're doing now, were you able to take any kind of skills that you learned as a footballer into working life after football? Oh, I guess it was more the being team orientated, I suppose, and being able to take direction from from my bosses and, and, and the like and having the ability to sort of talk to all sort of different walks of life of people. Uh, which has helped me in my sales career. It, it's, it's more about selling yourself than anything else when it comes to sales. So uh, having a good product helps as well. But, um, yeah, look, it's, it's the whole team ethos thing that I think I really uh, took with me to in, into my uh, sort of working or post-footy career. And now uh, you grew up in Wagga Wagga in New South Wales, uh, a big sporting town. Um, I guess what was it like as a kid growing up in Wagga? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I was, uh, grew up on a farm just out of Wagga in, in Mangapara and uh, sport was a huge part of the, 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 the society or the team, the, the, um, the, the town, uh, sorry, and uh, all sports were catered for and I was lucky enough that a really good mate of mine, Mark Conway, played Aussie Rules and I followed him and my dad had played and then I sort of just went from there and my two younger brothers played as well and I had uncles that had played and, and the like. So, yeah, it was it's, it was a great spot to grow up, to be honest with you. There's, um, it was really good, really, really sports-orientated from what I found and, and, and all sports were catered for. So, you know, you really – if you didn't play sport, you sort of were on the – not on the outer, but you, were not, you sort of just didn't mix as well as everyone else did, I suppose. And I guess, you know, that's, in New South Wales, I mean, rugby league, especially back in this time, was uh, the main code. You know, reunion, obviously – obviously, as well. So you sort of followed your friend in playing Aussie rules. Was there any, I guess, uh, blowback with that or because it was such a sporting town, it didn't really matter? No, it didn't really matter. And um, I had friends who played rugby league and sort of I was on the farm out of Wagga. So I, a lot of blokes played both 
both codes actually. It was a bit difficult to, to come in both days to play two different sports. So I concentrated on Aussie rules and um, that's the way it worked out in the end. But I played uh, golf and tennis and cricket and everything else down there and tried my hand in rugby league at school, but it was no good. And there was soccer, there was everything you could think of. Uh, hockey, you know, there's so many different sports to play. Uh, union, it was, it was a huge sporting town. Still is. And I guess sort of from the AFL standpoint, uh, big names like Paul Kelly, Wayne Carey come out of Wagga. Did you have any connections with them uh, at an early stage? No, uh, Duck Wayne was, uh, he was a couple of years older and he he left Wagga a young age, 14 or 15, and went to Adelaide, I believe. And then Paul or Kel, he, um, he took up AFL at a late age. I think it was about 15. And it's funny, I played in a, in a senior grand final for Turby Park against Wagga Tigers in 1989. And we happened to beat the Tigers. But Kel, I think Kel actually didn't, he got dropped for that Tigers side. It's amazing you think of it back now, that what he turned out to be. And so I didn't have a lot to do with Paul, but I had more to do with Brad Seymour and, and, and Dan McPherson, who are a couple of years younger than more of my brothers, little brother's age. But... Um, a lot of good footballers, and I think young Harry Cunningham, he's from down that way as well. And I do believe I played with his dad or his uncle in that 89 grand final side. So it's, it's a pretty, uh, yeah, a lot of, lot of good sports was in there. But Paul Kelly, yeah, he's without doubt the, the, the toughest player I ever played with, talking to tough players. Um, you were picked up by Sydney in the zone selection in 91. So was that sort of still part of the draft or it was basically because you lived in this zone, you had to play for the Swans? Is that how it worked? Yeah, it was a little bit that way. It's actually, I went into I went to Sydney in '89, end of '89, as a 16 and a half year old. Um, the under 19s, which is now defunct, um, they the Swans under 19s, they got a heap of kids out of the the Riverino, and I just happened to be one of them. Um, the Sanson boys from Lake Jellico, Johnny Drennan from from Denny, uh, a lot of blokes from Albury, Chris O'Dwyer who played senior footy. Uh, there was a heap of us who came up. Uh, and we started the 90 season in the under-19s and then sort of just went on from there. But uh, you were pretty much zoned to to Sydney at that time, which I think has changed now. I think Swagger's got um, GWS from what I gather. And I guess 91, this is a pretty dark time for the Swans. I mean, uh, you know, talk about consecutive losses. Uh, are they going to exist in a few years or some financial troubles, you name it. I guess um, I know there's stories of when Paul Kelly kind of was there in the early days. He was told to give up and go home. When you sort of rock up there, is it that sort of vibe or I guess what was it like sort of being there because I know Michael O'Loughlin when he was initially drafted to the Swans he hated it because he he knew how bad the Swans were doing but I guess what was your experience walking into the club? Well I loved it I was a young 16 17 year old boy left just left home and was around a heap of young like-minded fellas and we played uh, we all lived in a well, not all of us but there's about 10 11 of us lived in a boarding house which was interesting to say the least and uh, I really enjoyed it, but we were sort of a little bit separate from the senior side, but we watched on as they yeah, found it a bit difficult. But I do remember as I went through, I think, 93, 94, we played in 23 losing games. And then we won one against Melbourne. Um, I think Richard Osmond kicked 10 goals that day. And then we not, lost the next 10. And then um, two years later, then there was like 4,000 people there. But two years later in 96, there was 40,000 people there. We played Geelong one day when um, we ended up obviously on top and, you know, got rolled in the grand final. So it, it turned pretty quickly, but there's yeah, some dark days there, that's for sure. 
I guess as a young 16-year-old, you may not have sort of noticed, but the uh, facilities, because I know when speaking to Darren Creswell, he kind of said the facilities probably weren't as up to scratch as they probably should have been. Um, and I guess, did you notice that uh, as a youngster, sort of yeah, the facilities? There, there was no there was no facilities. It was shocking. They uh, We trained out of the old Sydney Stadium, which was beside the SCG, and which has now been bulldozed, and they got, the I think, the film academy there. But he was, yeah, I was like prehistoric so there was very very limited uh resources i suppose um yeah they they had the high flying late 80s 85 86 87 i think they, they played finals and, and then it just went downhill dramatically and now definitely there was there wasn't too much uh put in behind the scenes for like not like today when the the, the setups are fantastic so no definitely definitely was a bit of a battle back then at this time, was Cole Kinney still the head coach or had Gary Buccanara been appointed? No, Cole was there. Yeah, yeah, Cole was the coach. Then I think Brett Scott had a gig at it and then Brass had a gig at it. And then after Brass, it was Rocket and then Ruzi and et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah. But I had I sort of got senior coached by Brass and then Rocket. So before that, I, I didn't have a lot to do with the coaching before that. Because we go to your debut, which uh, according to the stats online, uh, around 16, 1992, taken on Fitzroy, wearing the number 37 apparently. Uh, you would changed to number 17. Was there any reason for changing to 17 or they, they just gave it to you? No, I, I think Craig Potter, Potts, he, he'd sort of vacated. Spot was there, the jumper was there, no reason. That's just what I ended up with. But uh, yeah, it was good to cut, to travel after or come after Craig Potter. He was a, he was a hard-nosed um, on-baller and a super player, so it was good to do that. What about uh, your debut against Fitzroy? Do you have any memories? Yeah, I remember Dale Fleming kicking three on me in about five minutes. Um, I played on the wing. Rossi Lyon tried to take me out. I think I don't, know, I don't know if Rusey played that day, but we I think we got pantsed. Um, but it was enjoyable. I've seen the... Only my young bloke saw the watched the video the other day and I looked at it and I was I was about that big and you know big hair and crazy. It's funny how you twenty years, twenty five years on or whatever it is, it's um, or twenty eight years, how much have changed. Uh, but yeah, still remember it was a it was such a, a thrill I suppose to finally play. Um, yeah, it was great. I mean, you played eight games in your debut year, um, all of them losses, which uh, you've alluded to. Um, obviously, during that time, Buccanara uh, gets sacked and Barassi's in. I guess being a kid from Wargard, did you, you knew, I guess you would have known of Barass and I guess the history behind it, or did you? Yeah, I did. I was a massive AFL fan. My parents, my dad, and and we all were Carlton fans, and, and Barass has spent a little bit of time at Carlton, I think, and... I knew who he was, uh, legend he is and or was and still is. Um, but he was, uh, he was he's a different character, Brass, a uh, great man. He, I, he came up, I think, I think he came up for, they got him there for his, for his aura and who he was. I, I wouldn't have said he was probably the best coach. His methods were probably a little bit outdated, but he got Sydney back on the map and, and then Ronnie Joseph, who was the footy manager at the time, really, Set Sydney on the right path, definitely. Um, he was an interesting man, uh, uh, Ronald Dale, yeah. I, um, we'll get to Rodney Eden, his sprays. Did uh, Ron Barassi have a, uh, a lethal tongue when he was in Sydney? Yeah, he could do, yeah. yeah. He, uh, I think he mellowed a bit from the, some of the footage I've seen on him, of him when he was uh, coaching North and, and Melbourne and whatever else back in the day. But, uh, yeah, he still didn't mind giving a bake, that's for sure. 
And I guess round 13, 1993 v Melbourne, you spoke about it earlier there. Pretty sure it was a 40-point win uh, for the Swans, which ends the 26-game losing streak. And uh, from what I've uh, researched, I'm pretty sure you kicked the last goal of the match. believe that would actually be your first uh, AFL uh, goal. Um, read an article uh, from the Swans website, which listed the amount of games played by individual players who hadn't experienced a win yet. I think you were about at 11 or 12 losses. Uh, I think uh, Darren Creswell was 18 losses in a row. Um, I mean, how significant was that win uh, at that point in time? Well, it was it was it was everything for us, I suppose, mate. It was we'd we'd been battling and battling and battling, and it's not as if we weren't trying, but it was just sometimes you just looked like you were banging your head against the wall. And as much as we tried, whatever we tried didn't seem to work. And then that day, everything sort of clicked. Um, but I mean, we we didn't have the cattle, was I suppose, which what it comes down to, and that's what happens, and that's what happened. And like I said, I think we lost the next ten after that, and to finally we got some players of the ilk of you know Ruse and, and Lockett and Dunkley and and all those Maxfield and Dyson and and Kreser obviously come along a bit better. I've got, got more games with him in Kel and. So it was just, uh, we had a little young side too and get some games into those guys. Eventually it turns, as you see still today. You know, look at Melbourne this year. They they had a really good five years, three or four years ago. Had a couple of quiet ones and now they're, they're at the peak of their powers and um, that sort of happens. Young blokes coming through. So it was great at the time. I remember we, we partied like we won the grand final after that win and maybe that had something to do with the next 10 losses. But it was, uh, it was frustrating, obviously, getting rolled all the time. Uh, we were the laughing stock and it made it difficult. But, uh, look, it's an experience and it's, it, it happened and, you know, you live with it and move on and learn from it, hopefully. Now, I'm going to try to test your uh, your memory here. Now, five members of that breakthrough winning side against uh, Melbourne uh, would go on to play in the 96 grand final. Can you guess who those players were? Was it Creswell? Yep. Lewis? No, Lewis was out injured. Was. Ah, was it Kel? Kel, yep. Uh, myself. Um, I couldn't tell you the other, other, other ones, no. Yeah, so it was Mark Bays, Darren Creswell, uh, Andrew nice. Dunkley, Kelly and yourself. Okay, Baysy and Dunks. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, 94, um, I guess um, an interesting um, draft choice uh, at the time. Uh, Dermot Brereton, he's drafted to the Swans, uh, only manages seven games, seven goals, so a pretty short run, and I think it was marred more by suspension for stomping an old uh, Hawthorne uh, teammate in uh, Raiden Tallis. Did you uh, have any yeah. sort of uh, any connections or any um, interactions with uh, Dermot Brereton? Yeah, I did. I, I loved him. I thought he was unreal. He was such a giving man. He was so helpful, I suppose, and talked to everyone and really looked looked out and up or for out for the young blokes and was more than willing to give his time to anyone. I, I really, until this day, still think he's a champion guy. His footy career was coming to an end, obviously, when he got here. I think he ended up Collingwood after that. But he, five day, five night, He, I grew up watching him play centre forward and had that. he had that streak of arrogance and uh, he was courageous and he was dirty or tough, however you want to put it. He, he was uh, he was inspiring just to watch. And then when he turned up at the Swans, yeah, it was great. He, he was a fantastic guy. And it's still today, if I ever run into him, he'd love to have a chat. So that's the sort of guy he is. 
do you think he, he was a bit uh, ill-disciplined? Say if he didn't get uh, suspended, maybe the time would have been a little bit longer at the Swans or, I mean, it was just what happened in your opinion? Possibly. I, I think his body was about buggered by then anyway. Um, he'd come from an era where that's probably acceptable. So he was on the cusp of when it wasn't. So, he, you know, he, he probably could have stopped and not done those things, but that was Derm and, 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 and it is what it is. But, look, I would have loved him to hang around, hung around a bit longer, but as it turned out, he, he didn't. And he ended up, I, think, I don't think he played more than one year at Collingwood. Maybe I'm wrong, but he... Um, you know, he, he was he was generous in everything he gave when he came to the Swans, that's for sure. I was going to ask if uh, karate was uh, part of the training under Barras. I only say that in jest. Uh, due to the seven-week suspension, apparently Dermy got, uh, when he hit Richmond's Tony Free uh, with a, uh, he apparently broke his jaw with a alleged karate chop. Oh, I don't recall that, actually. But no, there was no karate from what I remember, mate. But uh, knowing Derm, he, he, he was pretty competitive and he... he you like to throw the weight around, so it doesn't surprise me. Well, talking about another big forward that like to throw his weight around, uh, round seven, 94, uh, St Kilda. Swans get off to mm. an absolute flyer, uh, only to have Tony Locker kick 11 goals to get the Saints over the line by one point. But I guess the match mostly notable for when Plugger takes off Peter Caven's head. Uh, you were actually one of the first to the scene. Didn't want to take on Plugger? Why? <laughs> As Brassy told me, Brass told me at the start of the week that I was playing fullback on Plugger. So I had a sleepless week, did not get an eye, a wink of sleep. Um, I'm playing on him, you know, I'm 18 or 19, and he's Plugger. And I was, you know, to say petrified is an understatement. Anyway, I started all right. And then he elbows Cavo, and I reckon I looked at Cavo and said, Get up, Cavo, stop lying down. And I, um, no, I didn't, but I just, I think I gave Plugger a dirty look and I think I didn't try and give him the ball back. But I, I get reminded of that ad nauseum by all my mates about how much of a, a soft such and such <laughs> I was for not doing anything. And I say, well, you you take him on, so yeah, you would have went. But he, um, yeah, he that was poor old Cavo. But um, Cavo went on and won two flags at Adelaide, so I don't think he's probably too upset. But that day, O'Brien, Craig O'Brien, who I end up playing with in Sydney as well, who now I... I see a light up on the Gold Coast here. He, he actually knocked me out in the first quarter. And and like I said, we were up by a stack at halftime, three-quarter time. And then, yeah, Pluggers kicked 11 and tried to kill poor old Kenny behind the goals with a couple of crowd killers in the end. And it was, yeah, unreal. Yeah. He, uh, he got two Brownlow yeah. votes for that game kick in the 11 goals. And then he's, yeah. But we play, I played on Gaza one day up there. He kicked 14. There's some... Some forwards who feasted out on us at the Swans there back in the day. Now, Tony Lockett, he comes to the Swans in 1995. Uh, there's that photo, which looks a little bit staged of Plugger and uh, Caven uh, shaking hands. Uh, but, I mean, what was the feeling amongst the playing group um, you know, after this you know, infamous game, but then he's actually going to be playing for the Swans? What was, the, I guess, the, the vibe amongst the playing group? Yeah, I, I can't remember exactly for everyone else, but I was a bit along the lines of why well, I, I was dirty. I was you know, a, bit, a bit filthy that that had happened and you know, why do we need this bloke? And obviously he came in and, and, and to his credit, Plugger, he trained as hard as anyone and I think he really wanted to put his best foot forward after what had happened. Um, but he, he did everything that everyone else did. He didn't obviously win a lot of running races or something like that, but he was just adamant that he was doing everything that everyone did and, he sort of won everyone over really quickly just on 
his work ethic and and then obviously his talent sort of you could tell how you know how good he is or was and to play alongside him was it's probably one of my greatest thrills he, he was he was enormous um so quick so talented so skillful uh quiet very pretty quiet off the field but he um yeah he had a presence geez he had a presence he was good better off playing with than against that's for sure <laughs> Uh, it looks like you're kind of in and out of the side in 95. I think it's the 11 games that you managed for that year. Um, obviously, we talk about Plugger, but another addition was Paul Ruse. Um, I guess did you're a bit of a swingman, so in that day, you could, you could were kind of being used, I guess, in the ruck and in defence and a bit forward. Having those two guys come to the side, did that make it a little bit harder for you to get into the side? Oh, I think the main reason I wasn't playing because I was – the form wasn't great. There wasn't so much that. There was uh, there was spots for me. Uh, I, I, so I played a fair bit of back and a little bit of ruck. I didn't play a lot of forward until a bit later on. So, no, there was, it was more the form side of things than anything. Um, but, yeah, having those guys there was was sensational for a young bloke like myself and and the club in general. Um, you know, we had blokes like Basie and, and Kel and Dunks there anyway and, and a bit more, um, uh, you know, you know, Nice and smart around the footy, and just been able to teach us young, we young blokes, us young fellas was great. So no, it was more tell, uh, more uh, just the way I was playing was the reason I wasn't playing. And when doing the research, I mean, if you look at the who was on the list, uh, I guess you know, in a, a reserve side of thing, I mean, a great bunch of talent that was coming through. Be yourself, uh, you mentioned uh, Dan McPherson a little bit earlier, but. You actually played in the the Swans. Actually played in the nineteen ninety five Reserve Grand Final uh, in a losing effort to North Melbourne. Um, I believe you kicked two goals. But I, what I found most interesting about this is Rocket Eads coaching the North Reserves. Obviously, would go on the mm. next year to coach the Swans. Uh, Swans and Kangaroos would then be in the ninety six Grand Final the following year. Um, but some great young talent here. And a lot of people forget that um, Anthony Rocker played for the Swans. Uh, got yeah. a bit homesick though. So, um, Michael O'Loughlin, Troy Luff. Um, is it a little bit understated, the, the young crop of swans at that point in time? Yeah, we had um, we had some really good football. Shannon Grant, Simon Garlic, um, Stephen Carey, uh, Simon Arnott. We had a really good – Greg Stafford, a really good young side. I mean, uh, Shower, Granny and uh, Peb's Rocker didn't want to come initially. Oh, Paula Curie is the other one. Um, yep. But they did and, uh, and you know, they – you know, they left eventually, but we had a really good side that 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 year. Uh, North were just a bit. Anthony Rock played. There was a couple other guys who played for um, for North who were older heads and too good for us on the day. But uh, yeah, that was a really good young side. Actually, we um, we probably could have won that, uh, but we didn't. So is what it is. But yeah, then and then the next year, um, yeah, Rocket comes along and we start poorly, and I think we lost the first game or two, and then came home with a wet sail, and yeah. Want to go back a week prior? Did you play for that side in the ninety the ninety five uh, prelim? Oh, I assume I did. I can't recall to be honest with you. Because I, I found on YouTube there was a clip. Um, apparently, um, the boys were running late, so you had to get a police escort uh, from the airport to the MCG, and only had about five minutes to prepare for the uh, the game. It's, it's funny. I was only telling my young bloke about getting changed on the bus getting strapped on the bus. So I couldn't recall what game it was, but obviously that's the one. So, yeah, we did. I, we came down late or I don't know how it worked out, but, yeah, we ended up getting strapped on the bus and, and pretty much ran straight out and played. I don't, I don't, do you know who it was we played? I can't even recall. Um, it was won, against so. uh, Essendon, I'm pretty sure. 
That's right. Yeah, we played against Dean Wallace and that sort of crew. Yeah, we had a good day. Well, we played really well. So, yeah, there was a bit of merit maybe running late. Yeah. <laughs> who was the who was the main sort of uh, – you obviously had Barast as the head coach of the Swans. Who was coaching reserves at this time? It was either – well, Damien Drum was there, uh, Dennis Carroll, the, the, the Sydney legend, was there, uh, Craig uh, – uh, not Craig um, – yeah, oh, there's a few others I can't think of the top of I think Mick Byrne, I think Dennis was our coach. Dennis Carroll, DC, was our coach that year, yes. He, um, I think he's still around, if memory serves me, from what I'm told. So he, he great man, Dennis. Um, we, yeah, it's a, Drummy was around, Mick Byrne. Um, there's a couple other guys, but um, yeah, I'm pretty sure Dennis was our, was our coach that year. Now, uh, not to uh, age you too much, you mentioned uh, 96. That's actually 25 years ago, if, if you can believe it. Um, you, you mentioned Rodney Ede uh, comes in as coach. I guess, what were your thoughts on uh, on Rocket? Yeah, I'd, I'd heard because my brother had, was at North uh, when Rocket was there and he told me that he's a real character and a you know, good, smart man, um, funny. Um, so I was looking forward to Looking forward to, to, to meeting him and, and, and working under him, and, and he was all that and more. He was he was really really uh, smart, good strategist. Um, was funny as buggery, um, quite the character. Could he could be a bit personal in his attacks at people at times, but you know if you if you were, if you had thicker skin, which you sort of need, it, it's, it's just the way it is, and that was his style. And some people didn't like it. I didn't seem to mind it too much. Now, everyone mentions the spray, and every time I talk to any player that played under Rocket, I try to see, can they remember a particular spray that was said or, or that? Some some remember some, some don't, because um, I've even spoke to Rodney Eden. He gets a bit coy and uh, says he can't remember some, but um, is there anything that comes to mind, if it was singled out to you or just uh, at a quarter-time bake or anything that uh, comes to mind? Oh, how long have you got? <laughs> um, Johnny, Johnny. A really good mate of mine still is Johnny Stevens, who came in mid mid year in '97. I'm, I'm I'm money guessing now. He he copped the brunt of everything for at least three months when he first got there. Anything that stuffed up, it was John's fault. And oh yeah, I, I won't go into the, some of the stuff, but he used to cop almighty sprays. Steph Carey was a uh, rocket asked him if he replaced his head with a pumpkin one day. Uh, just just. Funny stuff too. It was if you if you weren't copying it, it was bloody funny. We still a lot of us laugh about some of the sprays that um, that he used to give out. Um, he he could be pretty ruthless, um, but like I said, if you you're playing a man's game, you sort of got to you know act like a man and cop it in the chin at times. Yeah, it's some funny stuff, mate. Some really really funny stuff. Paul Rue said uh, it would make a mint if you had like a sportsman night or a function where you had Rocket and maybe a few past players in that and could share some of the uh, the sprays with like, I guess, an 18-plus uh, audience potentially. Absolutely. Uh, that'd be – I'd pay money to go and see that. <laughs> I would pay money. After you, I, I, don't think he, I, don't think, I don't think he likes – I don't think Rocket likes being known for that from what I gather, but he was a good coach and that's – something that people will remember and that's what it is but in the whole other side of things he was a very very good coach it's, I guess that's something that kind of gets uh, overlooked a little bit at times because he was a pretty innovative young coach at the time but he kind of I guess when you've uh, been sacked at a club you're sometimes not remembered in the the best regard do you think that's unfortunate 
Absolutely. He, some of the things he did with us at Sydney was yeah, unheard of. And uh, yeah, we were innovative and he was, we were, that's why we were the top of the game for those three or four years. Um, and then, yeah, he, I think the, 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 I suppose the, the stuff that people don't like sort of follow, followed him out of Sydney and then probably followed him out of the Bulldogs as well. And, but yeah, he's definitely a, a great coach. He, he just might have had a bit of a different way of putting his point across at times. So, yeah, it's a bit of disappointing for him, I'm sure. But I, I know that people who know the game and played under him know how good of a coach he was. So He was uh, at the Gold Coast there for a little while. Did you get to catch up with the old coach? Not a lot. He used to fly in and out of Melbourne a lot. So he, I don't know how much, how how fully he was into it, to be honest with you. But uh, I, I saw him once or twice, mate. Not a lot. No. Now, 1996, um, from looking uh, through the stats, I don't think that you come into about round 12 um, and then you would play every game to the 96 grand final. Was that a bit of a, was that a form thing or an injury thing? Uh, in the 95, I did my knee at Witten Oval in the twos uh, playing the Bulldogs and had a lot of trouble with um, reoccurring cartilage tears. So I, I've ended up with about eight or nine operations on that knee um, which I now knew need a new knee, um, just waiting in to get a new knee. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so I missed the first 12 just with my knee and then um, played a few games in the reserves and played all right and then, yeah, came in and, yeah, we, we kind of were on a roll by the time I got there. It was good. Definitely on a roll. I think uh, Swans finished uh, pretty much top of the table that year, going into a qualifying final against the Hawks. I believe that's the first ever AFL final at the SCG. But talking about injury, yeah. Lockett, I think that's, he was suffering uh, the groin injury there and uh, the likes of, uh, you mentioned him before, Craig O'Brien kicking five. You, I'm pretty sure you got three. And uh, old mate Darren Creswell kicks the seal up for that qualifying final. Yeah, Kreza couldn't kick over a jam tin. He was... Uh, <laughs> he was he was great. Obi Obi was much underrated as well. He was a beautiful kick of the football. Um, not not a lot of him, as in height wise. He's smart footballer, good catch for his size, a beautiful kick, like I said. So uh, we all sort of played it right that night. Uh, but Nick Holland, I remember recalling Nick Holland played really well for Hawthorne. Dunstall might have even done his knee that night, I think, which kind of helped as well. Uh, but yeah, we we scraped through that one, and then we scraped through the next week or the week after against. Um, Essendon as well, which was, yeah, unbelievable. Crazy, crazy times. And that game uh, against uh, Essendon in the prelim final, it kind of lives in uh, Swans folklore, but even AFL folklore, that point after the siren from uh, Darren, uh, Darren Chris, from uh, Plugger. Um, I guess your memory of that game as a whole, because speaking with Rodney, he just remembers it from a coaching standpoint that it was just such a really hard, physical, pretty low scoring uh, for the time, it was just a really ruthless, hard game. I guess being on the field there, how? Uh, what's your memories of it? Well, I lasted about ten minutes, and Sean Wilman need me in the back and pop broke a rib, so I spent most of the game on the bench, to be honest with you, in a dressing gown. But I remember Wade Chapman, who, um, forgive my French, play, uh, Rocket referred to him as could turn shit into strawberry jam. Who was that damn good? He <laughs> got that ball on the wing and. Kicked it across to Plugger and I think one of the Essendon boys, I can't remember who it was, I think, I think he was real keen to stand in front of him and sort of jumped out of his way. But I guess I just remember Dale Lewis playing so well and, and Stewie Maxfield and, you know, Kevin Beryl Dyson just just hard in and Kel and those sort of guys. And then obviously Plug kicked the, 
Yeah, and I'll tell you what, we, I think Luffy came up before. He was an unheralded footballer for, for the Swans as well. And he persevered and got the most out of himself as well. I guess it's blokes like that who really sort of stood up on that night because um, it was it was quite, quite awe-inspiring to be there when, we kicked, when he kicked that point, that's for sure. Uh, did you, you ran out onto the uh, ground uh, when he kicks it? Yeah, I did. I got out there and got my head on TV and jumped in front of everyone and then <laughs> and then wandered off. But, um, yeah, it was unbelievable. I was only watching the end of it again the other day with my young bloke and, geez, it's, uh, it's yeah, unreal. It's got the goosebumps, so I reckon uh, that type of feel. I love it when uh, footy can, uh, yeah, make you feel that. Absolutely. It was, it was one of those games. And we go to the big dance. Um, I guess 96, I mean, uh, first ever grand final for the Swans at the time. Obviously, a lot of young kids who hadn't played in a grand final. I mean, a lot of that team, I don't think, uh, had played in a grand final. And I guess, was there was there nerves leading into it? I guess, you know, you got the big parade and all the uh, pageantry that uh, the AFL like to do. Um, I believe you, you kick one goal in this game. Swan start early, but I guess the week as a whole led into that game. Where was your headspace at? Oh, I was just ecstatic. It was just, it was spring in um, Sydney. The, it was warm. It was just amazing uh, week and uh, training was, everything was, everyone was just on top of the world. You just see floating along the ground. Training was unbelievable from what I recall. And we get to Melbourne and with that parade is probably one of the best, Top five things I've ever done in my life. Um, you know, hundreds of thousands of people down the street. It's a bit different nowadays. Not as many, not as long, I suppose. It is. Um, it's. It was just unreal. It was unbelievable. And I sat in the car with Simon Garlic, and who was a good mate of mine. And we just taking it in was just. It was unbelievable. And then obviously the next day it was. Uh, it was a great start to half time, and then it sort of yeah, petered out after that. You think because how grueling that Essendon game was, that kind of um, it, that kind of caught up with you because it was such a tough game. It, you kind of guys ran out of steam, I guess. Uh, I just don't think we took our chances. I think we, were, I think we were a couple of goals up in the quarter time, and then I think Kel charged out and might have missed one, and then he might have come out and dropped one just in front of Plugger, which bounced away, and then then Glenn Freeborn. You know, good on him. He's kicked three goals in five minutes and I don't think he's had three kicks for the year. And so it's one of those things. And then and then at the end, they, we were we should have been maybe four or five, six goals in front at half time, and then we weren't. And then it sort of then Kerry got on top and Dunks had played so well on him up to that stage. And he's obviously, you know, one of the best of of, of any era. So he's always going to sort of stamp his authority at some stage. And Mate, they had a great side with McKernan and Martin and Stevens and Archer and the like. So, but I still think if, if we had taken our chances in the second quarter, we, we possibly could have might have been far enough ahead to to hold them off. But history shows they beat us by forty points. I think in the end. So. Yeah, and I guess after the game, I've um, listened to a Michael O'Loughlin interview. He kind of noticed there were some older players that were kind of uh, you know hands on their head or you know crying because you know that was. They, that was their chance, I guess, to win a premiership. You're kind of you're on the younger side of things. Were you kind of in the same boat? Oh, we, we'll, we can make it next year. We'll win it next year. Was that the thoughts for most of the younger guys who were playing? Oh, I remember being pretty emotional myself. I, I can't recall what I thought about the future. Um, I thought we'd be okay. Just 
I'm thinking with the amount of talent we had, like I forgot, I forgot Adam Huskis is another one who I'd forgotten about. He was unbelievable. And then I think Swatter came the year after or the year after that. And then so we had a we had a good side again for the next few years. Um, so I didn't, I wasn't despondent of, from what I gather. I think I was more upset about the day and I hadn't played particularly well. So that's probably a bit to do with it as well. But yeah, I, I thought we had a, a bright sort of future, but it didn't sort of, we got, we played finals in a few years, but we weren't, we didn't go all the way, obviously. Now, celebrations or commiserations afterwards, I um, reached out to Darren Creswell again just to see if um, he had any curly ones that I could uh, throw at you. And all he told me was <laughs> was to ask you how you would go driving the bus after the grand final. Yeah. <laughs> we better leave that alone, yeah. Thanks, Creswell. Good on you, mate. Uh, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a conversation for over a beer, mate. Uh, fair <laughs> enough, then. Sounds good. All right, so... In the grand final there, you play uh, 97 and 98 uh, with the Swans, I guess kind of in and out of the, the side. I think you managed 21 games in 98, probably a more consistent um, uh, year with the Swans. I guess you end up getting traded to Geelong and um, the Swans in return get pick eight, which would go on to pick Jude Bolton, funny enough. But I guess mm-hmm. was it a club decision to move you on or did you want to move on? No, it was a club um... I, my knee was sort of deteriorating um, at a, not a rate of knots, but it was, you know, it was a battle. Um, I was sort of playing um, utility ruck and Staffy was playing as well. He was playing well and Goodsy was sort of come along and he was playing that role. But as it happened, I, after I left, Staff went down the next year and Goodsy went on and played the ruck the whole year. So I probably would have had a, a role. But anyway, they... they they wanted to move me on while I probably had a little bit of uh, something to, to get back on, I suppose. And, they, and as it ended up, they did a ride out of pick eight. Well, so I think he was a 300 games and captain. So I think I'm oh, pretty sure I know he's done better out of that trade. But yeah, so it was, it was the swan. He said Rocket was pretty keen to move me on, which is, you know, that's footy. I didn't hold any grudges and still don't. And, you know, I was lucky to go to Geelong and, you know, I've, Met some amazing people from down there. My second wife from Geelong. So, you know, it's sort of things work out for a reason. And how did you find Cat Park? Yeah, I enjoyed it. It was, it was a little bit like going back in time. I shouldn't say that. Not back in time. But it wasn't as, it wasn't as, um, I wouldn't say, I could literally say it probably wasn't quite as professional uh, as Sydney. And just the, the surrounds and the, the back of house, I guess. But I, I enjoyed it there. I, I loved my time there. Just too bloody cold, man. <laughs> well, I mean, 99, arguably, as an individual standpoint, um, best year for you, I guess. 33 goals. That's only one goal behind leading goal kicker Ronnie Burns at the time. You bagged five against the Dons round 11 in that same year. Um, I guess it would look on paper that the change of scenery kind of done you okay as a player. I think you managed 15 games. Yeah, it really did. I started the year well, and we as a club, we could, we won the first five. Everyone was talking, you know, finals and that, and then I think we lost the next 10 or something. But I, um, by round 15, my knee was shot, and so Sydney had probably made the right decision to push me on, and I had an operation, and then that's sort of, I was in and out of bloody operations for the next few years. And But, yeah, I started quite for myself really well. I was really happy with the way I played. Um, Simon Arnott had come down from Sydney with me, and, we, we lived together and um, uh, he, yeah, great. We had a great time. He played super footy. We both played good footy and 
we, I really enjoyed myself, but yeah, the sort of body just started to give away um, middle of the year. Yeah, I'd played pretty well before then. Uh, one year under Gary Ayres uh, in that 99 year, then two with Mark Bomber Thompson, I guess. Any thoughts, I guess, as Gary Ayres as a coach? He would then go on to coach uh, the Crows. Bomber Thompson obviously would go on to be a premiership coach. Any sort of, I guess, thoughts or anything, memories from uh, playing under those great coaches? Easy was very scary when he lost it. He um, smashed, I don't know, he smashed his watch against the wall one day. He was uh, a big vein come out of his head. But lovely, lovely man. Um, really nice, nice guy. He'd love to chat. Um, and then Bomber was good, mate. He was great. He was good for me. Uh, he got Cameron down there as well because Cameron, he coached Cam at North before that, which was great. I got to play a couple of years with my brother. Um, and, um, yeah, he went on to – he had a really good list of cattle, mind you, Bomber, but went on to coach a flag for him, which was awesome. Uh, they're both great. They're both really nice guys. They are, uh, Bomber's a bit quieter than, than Easy. Easy's a big man who had a big presence. Uh, Bomber, not so much, but still a very likeable character. Um, but they're both, both lovely men. I guess, yeah, you said there, 2000, uh, you get to play alongside younger brother uh, Cameron Mooney uh, when he wasn't getting suspended. <laughs> um, that was, uh, yeah, it, was it was via a Lee Colbert trade. I guess uh, being in the inner sanctum of the Cats there, what was the issue, Lee Colbert? I think the quote was he wanted to play for a premiership team. Uh, he went to North Melbourne and they never won another one. Since the '99 uh, grand final, um, mm. did you have? Did you have any sort of? Did he? Was he not liking it there? Was it? I guess uh, something against uh, then coach, or was he just wanted wanted a new, fresh place? I guess. Yeah, I think it was more the fresh uh, start. He'd done his knee during that year. He and Mark Wilmo both done their knee up up actually on the Gold Coast in a practice game. And I think he had a lot of trouble with it. And I'm not sure whether he thought he wasn't getting the support, but. Again, really nice guy, Spider. He, uh, but he, he did, from what I gather, wanted to go and play in a more successful side. So he made his choices. Uh, at the same time, they moved, John moved on Mick Mansfield. So a lot of people were disappointed in uh, Lee for leaving. But, you know, in the other on the other side of things, the club was quite happy to offload Mick, who'd been, you know, all Australian and played in three or four grand, or three grand finals for him. So it was a bit of a, you know, so that's football again, I think. But yeah, I think Colby just wanted a fresh start. Yeah, but he, and his knee was his knee was never the same um, after that, from what I gather. But um, yeah, super footballer before he did his knee. And your brother Cameron, uh, he's fresh off uh, the 1999 premiership. Uh, got zero touches um, with uh, North Melbourne. Yeah, Obviously, <laughs> would go on to win the uh, 07 and 09. Do you feel he's a little bit greedy having three? Yeah, absolutely. I didn't want to handball one to me, but he, um, yeah, I'm uh, super proud of him, actually. He, he got to Geelong and he could have gone either of one or two ways. And he, I think Bomber told him, threatened him a couple of times, if you don't pull your head in, um, you will be gone. Uh, and to his credit, and I think it's more to his wife's credit, uh, she put, I think she pulled him in the line at the time where they weren't, they weren't married, but girlfriend at the time. And she, uh, I think she straightened him out fairly well. And, yeah, he turned out to be, yeah, quite a good footballer because he had a lot of talent, but he didn't have a lot of focus, I suppose, at the time. Uh, liked to enjoy a good time and um, he knuckled down and, yeah, the rest is history and, and he's gone on to, to – he had a great career. We yeah, were super proud of him. Yeah. And I guess what was the dynamic uh, you as brothers? Do you, 
you know, could you sort of tell him to pull his head in or was it that type of relationship or you just enjoyed playing alongside him? Yeah, we had a good relationship. I, I, I never really told him to pull his head in. I think I just tried to lead by example. I don't know how well I did there. But he um, he was really close with Bomber uh, and, and really listened to, to Bomber and, and, you know, my mum and dad too. Gave him a pretty good serve most of the time he played up. So I was, uh, yeah, I think I was I was having a good time with him most of the time. So I don't know if I could tell him off. So, so 2001, that's your last season. You managed about five or so games. The the knees given out, as you sort of alluded to. Did you sort of, I guess, as a, as a footballer, feel a little bit betrayed by your body? Because, I mean, you're only about 27, 28 at this time. Like, you know, I guess you can go on to you about 30, depending on uh, how bad injuries are. But did you sort of feel betrayed by your body at this stage? Yeah, I, I, I do, because that's the sort of time and for myself I felt like I was mature, the most mature I was to be able to play football at that level. Um, you know, I played most of my career younger than that, obviously, all my career younger than that, and I didn't have a lot of self-belief. Uh, I just was starting to really believe in myself mobility and, and, you know, 90% of the games played above the shoulder. So that was where I was sort of getting better. Uh, yeah, the body packed it in. But in the end, that's that's life, I suppose. And, you know, I see a lot of guys who didn't even get that chance to play that many games. So I, I'm sort of lucky in that regard that I, you know, I, I got to play as, as, much, as many games as I did, I suppose. So I would love to have played a couple hundred and, you know, and didn't play it on until I decided I wanted to finish, but wasn't to be, so... The question I always ask um, players that have played with one club or another club, do they consider themselves a, a Swans man or a Cats man? But the way I'll, I'll phrase the question is, I guess, which premiership do you feel more a part of as a past player? The Swans 05 flag or the Cats 07 flag? Probably seven, just because Cameron was there. Um, I had some really good mates, uh, Benny Matthews in particular, who played in that five flag and Magic and, and, you know, Goodsy and all those guys that I knew. But I, I, I guess just the whole fact that um, I, Cameron was at, Nor- uh, at Geelong at the time, his best mate, who's his uh, wife's brother, he's Geelong and we're all there and it was really um, a real family sort of uh, day, I guess. But I'm as proud of both sides as I am of, of you know, no, none in particular, just that I was probably a little bit closer with the whole Geelong thing being Cameron being there. And I guess, uh, do you, who do you who do you support in AFL now? Do you have a team, or you sort of more watch it as a just a, a mutual sort of uh, person watching? Don't really sort of support a team. Oh, I, I do. I, I'm still follow Sydney and, and Geelong. I, I probably don't watch as much footy as I, I used to. I don't particularly shouldn't say I don't like the game. I love the game. I just it's not the same game, and that's that's evolution of football, and that's the way it is. Um, to me, it's a bit. Bit more of a game of netball now. Keep his offs, but that's uh, that's how it's evolved, and that's what it is. Um, but I, I follow the, the Suns. I want them to be successful, just because it's there's a lot of footy expats up or Victorian or from south of the border up here who love their footy, and we'd like it to be more them to be more successful. And I think they will over time. It's just they've got a they're a bit like the Swans were when I started there. No one wanted to be here. No one wants to be here. I suppose it's just got to get that culture where people want to come to the Gold Coast and want to stay. So. Yeah, that'll happen. But, yeah, I sort of just – I don't mind watching any side, any good side. Melbourne at the moment. 
I guess when you're watching the current uh, product uh, of AFL, is there any uh, players that you like watching? Yeah, I particularly like watching Danger, Selwood and, and Tommy when they're up and about. They're, uh, they're unbelievable. The young boy Stuart, Geelong as well. Um, the uh, Mick Maxi Gorn, Nick Nat, any of the big power forwards who, who take good marks. Uh, the, the boy from Carlton, Mackay. Well, I look, Clayton Oliver, he's another one. But the Melbourne wingers who, to me, just don't stop running at all. They're amazing. Uh, they're just such good athletes, some of these guys. And uh, I like the two uh, King twins as well. I think they're going to be super footballers uh, as they progress through their career. But I used to love watching Andrew McLeod play. Ian Magic O'Loughlin. Um, I played with Jamie Lawson at Sydney, who, who was really cut down with his broken leg. And he was amazing, um, Skeeter. And pay money to watch those guys play. McLeod was one of the best. Yeah. You've been very really generous with your time, Jason. Greatly appreciate it. Uh, lo- loved uh, watching you play uh, as a young kid. And um, But um, I guess sort of looking back um, when your time with the Swans and the Cats, is there one moment that you uh, always remember or hold fondly as a former football player? Yeah, running out onto the MCG in the 96 grand final and, and looking up into the, the crowd. You know, it was 96,000 in a day or thereabouts. That, to me, is of all... I never forgot it, never will. Uh, and, you know, if you ever get a chance to do something like that you take with both hands it's yeah amazing never forget it jason mooney greatly appreciate taking the time and thank you for speaking with the bloods of old podcast thanks joel appreciate it mate